fuck. I, <laughs> oh, no. I meant to click the launch, uh, launch uh, music button, but instead I hit the X on the launch music button. So here's an outro for an intro, uh, uh, thanks to my technical capabilities today. I keep going like, why was it chopped and screwed? Why did it get chopped and screwed? <laughs> this is something I, that's been driving me insane for so long. Is we so I'm, I'm here with the uh, uh, Evan. You're at Bounded State on Twitter, right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, is, is science man generally like what? What are your like? If you were a knight entering the royal hall and they had to like list your your accolades and plaudits and like certificate what is your what is your science cred um i i do condensed matter physics just studying everything that's not like i don't know condensed matter is anything that's not at the energy scales of like the big bang or space stuff it's physics of dirt and crystals and stuff if you find yeah. it on earth it's it's condensed matter and you're sort of uniquely placed in the science community as the only Yale MIT uh, PhD, right? Who hasn't nutted on Geronimo? Did you nut on a different uh, Native American set of bones, or is there some sort of Epstein thing? That's generally I think of Epstein with Harvard. But how did you find that niche? I don't know. I kind of just stumbled into it. The thing is that most of these schools really like more pamper their their undergrads and. I don't know. I, I think of grad students and postdocs as largely lab equipment. So a lot of these, a lot of these undergrads are the ones who are parts of the secret societies and the, that sort of thing. It, it's sort of it's the undergrad thing. Like you're spent, you're meant to spend four years uh, doing blood rituals and and nutting on the indigenous people and you know uh building resource maps of afghanistan like pete Buttigieg or whatever you're supposed to do that for four years and then move on i imagine if you're like john Kerry and you're still showing up to to nut on geronimo it's a little bit like if you're 25 and still showing up at college parties like yeah, though we all understand you had a good time, but you know, you really do. It's like going back and visiting your dorm at like age 30. Like I know you're on a spirit quest, but there's a time and a place for this sort of behavior. And it's really just from 18 to 22, then you got to get out. Yeah. If you join Skull and Bones and you're just like, I, I like this. I want to just keep doing this forever. I think yeah, there's. There's nothing sadder to me than when you see someone who gets like uh, uh, an honorary degree and then they're wearing or they go to like the adult uh, learning center at, at a big university and then they're wearing like the sweater from like Dartmouth or whatever. It's like, come on, man. Did you? <laughs> there was a time and a place for that. All this is to say that if you were running the soundboard here, you probably would have figured out what I just figured out much sooner because uh, I... So I have a little square and you can click it to make the thing play, or as I just discovered, uh, delete it from the soundboard forever. Um, I've now showcased both of 
those functionalities. But I keep hitting it at different angles or like different click durations and trying to figure out, this has been going on for months now. Why does sometimes it play a chopped and screwed version? Why does it speed up? And I realized as it did it mid song there, it's because Zencaster is a piece of shit and it's server side. So it is just feeding back. I, I assume as my like bit rate gets better or not, it, it, it's speeding up, slowing down. That's going to be really interesting going forward <laughs> with the rest of the clips I have here, but whatever. Uh, Evan, I'll, I'll start just, how's your, how's your day been going? You hanging in there? It's yeah, a nice Sunday. Pretty, uh, pretty slow. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the life of a postdoc is, is just, uh, things just kind of breaking, um and fixing them sort of at equal rates so there's always like 10 things that are broken and you fix one thing and another thing breaks and and so i, I think i'm just I'm kind of mid postdoc now so i'm getting a little bit more zen with the with all the things that are broken right now and kind of just relaxing and yeah doing some calculations and enjoying my sunday what what are cal- what sort of calculations are you doing Oh, we're working on a new measurement for um, characterizing like the energy structure of of this uh, this material that everybody's pretty interested in. Um, they're called topological insulators, and uh, I mean, all this is to say we're you're just trying to sense electrons going in and out of the of the material, and we're talking like individual electrons. So you need a very sensitive sensor. Um, and we, you know, if, if we design it now, um, we're going to get the design in like three or four months. So you can't screw it up <laughs> because that's like a large fraction of my time here. And so one has to be kind of strategic in, in designing the thing so you don't end up with garbage back from the fab later. I like the idea that you're like, I'm just doing calculations. And then I attempted to call you on it and you're like no no it's it's a topological something <laughs> that's a great because <laughs> i don't know like nobody knows what mathematicians or physicists actually do no, that's like, like a that great way. that's a great like just tell your girlfriend to fuck off thing where it's like yeah i'm working <laughs> on my equations don't ask about them or not you're not going to feel satisfied you're just gonna have to take i'm working on my equations at face value i guess that is I, cause I, I will like watch YouTube videos and people are like, you know, you spend a lot of time at your desk with a pencil, uh, you know, working it all out. And I'm like, what are you doing for that long? Like, what, what are you actually, when you say you're working on equations, are you just like trying to think something up? Are you like, here's a goal I need to figure out? Or do you, is it just like busy work? Like you have 40 different variables and you're like, I have to crunch this. Shouldn't a computer be doing that? Like, what does it mean to work on equations? So it's usually that I have like two books open, four or five papers open, and I'm like taking notes on the pieces of the, of the paper and the books that might be relevant to what I'm doing. And then there's like maybe something that I need to know that's not in one of the papers and I want to make sure I've understood the papers correctly. So I just have like a notebook out or I don't know, my iPad with a, with its pen thing out and I'm just trying to write things down, reproduce results in the paper and eventually like try and figure out what it is I need to know by doing the calculus, like 
by plugging numbers in a couple of different ways and trying to come to the same conclusion a couple of different ways until I'm, I've like convinced myself that I'm right and I, I have some idea what's going on. So like, what's an example of uh, something you needed to know that, but you knew enough to go to the book and pull the thing for a project? So you already are working on the thing. You're like, shit, this requires X, Y, Z. I bet I could use something or find something about X, Y, Z in ABC tome. And then you just, what, read the whole thing until you find it? Is it that object oriented or is it like, I have no idea what y'all do. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot, it, it's a lot of just research is trying to, I mean, it's literally, it's literally just searching through stuff that's already been done that may have some relevance to what I'm doing now. So, so what is it, the last thing you had to look? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. What's the last thing I looked at? So um, there's, there's this thing called a single electron transistor. Um, and I call that set normally, but listeners may not be familiar. Continue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do call it a, we call it a set and sometimes we do, but like, we, we want to keep it simple for the listener, <laughs> of course. Yes. Continue. Yeah. And then sometimes you put it together with a, with another kind of transistor called a, called a, an FET, a FET, and then you put them together and it's called a set FET or a FET set or whatever. Um, and it, um, it's, now it's, I want you to know. Sorry to interrupt, Evan. I yeah. would make a I would make a FetLife joke right here. The the famous uh, kink website that now old people just look on and remember like something awful. Uh, but I I think I've been doing that too often because I am now getting on my Twitter account uh, just straight up kink people following me that are just like New York simp. Please uh, looking for powerful men and women to step <laughs> oh, on my no. balls. And and I I'm, the algorithm is. You know how it says like who to follow? The algorithm is now putting that in front of me. And it's like, no, I don't listen. If you're listening to this right now and you're like, uh, I need a, a huge person to step on my balls, figure it out on your own. This is not going to be a resource for you. So anyway, <laughs> you're, you're setting and fetting uh, electrons. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, it's this device that has maybe a couple of different parts in it there's like a little dot of, of aluminum or some metal and then wires that come up to the little dot of aluminum. And the dot of aluminum is so small that um, it can only host like so many electrons on it at a time. So the number of electrons is quantized and blah, blah, blah. So I have to know like how big to make the little metal dot, how big to make the connections to the little dot. And these are literally things you draw with something that's like fancy Photoshop on your computer. So you know, you do the, you look at the quantum mechanics, you look at like how big is an electron charge, figure out how big the, the island has to be, the little dot, you draw it on your computer, you plug it into another program you wrote to figure out like that, that simulates this and that and see if it, it does what you think it's going to do. A lot of times you'll do, you'll write a simulation for something um, and then you'll like, you'll write down what you expect from the simulation and you compare them. It's, it's all just like trying to get to the same result, 10 different ways. But, but I mean, the, the nuts and bolts are you're, you're like, you're trying to figure out how to build something, which, which absolutely like corresponds to something in the real world, be it like, I don't know, how big do I make this, um, this like loop of wire or how big do I make this little metal dot? That's, you know, a couple of microns in, in diameter or something using, um, you know, the, the same equipment that Intel uses to make computer chips. Um, 
So are you? So you're cracking a book to to find out how small do I make the little uh, metal circle that I connect the wires to? Yeah, exactly. Is that it? Yep, yep. That's you're it. like, I don't know. And, and what is the name of the book that has how small the little metal thing needs to be? Like, oh. where, what? How do you find that book? Oh man! In, I, law, in law school, it's easy. You could you could just be like, like you get, you get access to Westlaw or, or Lexis, and you're like, what's that case where it's like a balloon and, and then it exploded and there were nails? You just put balloons, nails, explode, and it's just like, oh, there's that one weird case. I don't know how scientific research works, but I imagine you can't just put like the the name of the metal. Was it aluminum? Yeah. Is that the aluminum circle? How big electron? Like, presumably that's not the process. Yeah. I mean, I think it's covered in a, in a couple of different books, but I think like for some things, the most valuable resource is, is just like other people's PhD thesis. I, okay. I always start by typing in like what I want to know into Google, um, just like 20 different ways. <laughs> Uh, and then somebody's PhD thesis will come up, somebody else's will, some papers pop up. And then, you know, you'll read the abstract, you'll read the, you know, bits and pieces from the relevant chapters until you have like a vague idea of what's going on. Um, I'm sure there's books that cover SETs, but um, like my advisor and, and somebody else who was on my PhD committee did a lot of the the foundational work. So I, I may at some point give them a call and ask if they can help me out. It's, it's all like a very small community that does this. So. So when you're looking through people's PhD thesis, this is not, uh, you're not like doing that out of solidarity. That's actually where the info is most likely, like where you're most likely to fi find it. Is that, is that a thing where like, of course it would be people's PhD theses because that's who is doing the new stuff. Like by definition, uh, you would find the sort of fringe edge specific cases and people that are trying to find a niche for their PhD, or is it something else? Well, I especially like reading about things in people's PhD theses because it's, I think a PhD thesis is often a little bit less polished and put through the, the publication grinder than, than a paper is like a paper you, you write and then you're, like as as a PhD student, and then your advisor goes, no, 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 you can't you can't write it this way, you know this this will give this impression, this will give that impression, um, and you have to present this clearly and concisely within the page limit, and and convey this level of professionalism um, through your choice of this, that, and the other thing. Whereas a, a thesis is often like a much more personal thing, and it's written exclusively by the person who just figured it out. And when you put something through, you know, through a committee, if you will, um, a lot of the experience of the people in the committee will color the, the, the pedagogy, right? So it's, it now not only is taught by the person who just learned it, it's also other people saying, oh no, that part's obvious. That person you're that thing your your readers should know. Um, and you're not like quite as up against the page limit. So I, I just I like learning from students because they're still they're still students. It's it's a little bit clear to them what is and isn't obvious because they're, you know, maybe a bit younger, a little bit older than you, but they're not they're not professors yet. 
That's pretty cool. I always wondered in movies and stuff where it's like, and then Nash delivered a, a beautiful 11 page uh, PhD paper or something. I'm always like, that seems way like showing up with your advisor and dumping like a stapled set of papers that has always sort of contrasted with, uh, my experience of like, uh, when I was an undergrad, I did a lot of labs and I worked with the, uh, grad students who were trying to get, you know, papers published in journals or whatever in evolutionary psychology, so like, look, it's not the most rigorous. Like at the end of the day, it's like, yo, just put down the dudes like to fuck and just get your check from Epstein. Uh, but, you know, as a field, evolutionary psychology is not exactly uh, uh, the, the most rigorous, uh, maybe. Uh, very popular with PUAs, by the way. I remember when I was an undergrad, uh, pickup artists would would like hit you up or like we would, we would see them using uh, papers that came out of our lab. Cause they're like, Hey, if it works on an elk, it'll work on a lady. And it's like, all right, man. I mean, that's, oh man, I don't like, uh, this might be one of those elk piss situations where really it doesn't, uh, pull double duty. It's just for attracting the one. Uh, but like, it was always a big process where, where like they'd spend all year, like making little edits and, and, you know, getting the phrasing right and going, well, what about this critique of the data and shit? And I never knew how to square that with like, you know, the movie star thing of, you know, and then, and then Einstein outlined, you know, whatever special relativity in four pages or whatever the fuck it was. I mean, I think it's not, I think it does happen sometimes where somebody who's like particularly inspired will have an idea for a lot of. A lot of problems in physics or, or math require that you find a sort of linchpin and then they, they, they sort of unfold and come apart and then you can like fill in the gaps and, and solve the problem. What does that um, mean like a linchpin? Oh, like the, the, you pull this pin and then the thing will come apart, I guess. Like you have to, you find, you have to find the weak spot of, of the, um, of the problem you're trying to solve. So I may I, I'm not familiar exactly with with what Nash's result was, but it, it may be that, you know, he, he had been working on this for a while and found a you know, made a couple sketches of the right result and you know came to his advisor with a bunch of coffee stained papers, like, yeah, here's how you do it. And then he's his advisor was probably like, I don't believe it. And then they probably went back and forth a little bit and then, oh yeah, okay, this is this is it. And then you go through the cycles of no, you got that wrong but you can fix it by doing this. And um, I'm just guessing, but this is the usual cycle, assuming somebody was particularly, particularly brilliant. <laughs> because usually you don't, usually you don't get it right on the first, the first shot. Um, can I just say I'm, I'm in favor of sketches in papers generally, because anytime, anytime I'm looking at a paper, which I don't do very often because I'm, too stupid and i don't have the the knowledge base frankly but occasionally i'll be looking at a paper and when i see like when, when a paper is like wow roundly roundly regarded as like a breakthrough amazing shit and there's drawings in it i'm like this must be fucking amazing because it looks simple and everyone fucking like Feynman diagrams when oh, I yeah. saw that he got the Nobel Prize, and you're like, for Feynman? Okay, let's see what they are. And it looks like some shit from Denny's. You're like, this must have been <laughs> so brain-bursting for him to get away with this. 
in Goodwill Hunting where they like put the guy draws like eight trees on a board. It's like there's not even words in this word problem. This is some big brain shit, right? Yeah, and it's really funny when you see the Feynman diagrams next to the the actual integrals that they represent. Um because each Feynman, if you're familiar with, so a Feynman diagram is, is a way of representing a piece of a calculation for how some number of particles will interact with each other. And you have to add up all the corresponding Feynman diagrams. It's, it's, it's quite tedious, um, but it's sort of the best we've got. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you have the rules for the diagrams. You think, oh, you draw lines between these dots, but and a wiggly line between these dots. And if you twist this diagram this way, that's also valid. So I have to include that. But then once you've written down all the diagrams, you have to convert them into the calculus for <laughs> that you have to actually evaluate for how to calculate the answer. And it's awful. Yeah, it looks pretty cool, though. It looks like cave scribbles or cave scribbles or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but no, we're not going to get into complex stuff uh, today. We're going to keep it. I, I feel very. I'm slamming coffees because I feel like I, 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 I was too chill today. I, I spent Saturday doing fuck all, and then this morning, uh, it was nice weather in New York City. So I went on a nice little walk, uh, got my coffee, ate some fucking Thai rice or whatever. I saw a min pin. That's science, right? Every time I see a min pin, it reminds me of of the great question of science, which is just because you can, should you? Obviously. No, fuck those dogs. (laughs) That's the most offense. For me, that's that's like science throwing it in our faces. Like there's a Doberman pincer. That is a type of dog that you can have. And then they just said, well, what if I wanted to make it easier to transport or like gave it more annoying behaviors and they made a fucking min pin. It just, I feel like I feel about min pins. uh, I feel like it should be like the bandana you get when you beat metal gear solid for the first time where it gives you like unlimited ammo. Like, like min pin should be a new game plus for people who have already raised a Doberman. Like if you've done it, if you've done it correctly with the original one, then yeah, you, you can get like the fun mode. You can go back and do it again. Or, or like the armor that makes you invisible. I just feel that's, I, I feel strongly about the seven. Min pins? Yeah. I don't yeah. know anything about them. So I went home and I watched, I put dogs 101 min pin uh, in, which by the way, if you're not on the dogs 101 series, it's the best. It's not, yeah, it's the best. And now there's a new hustler out there who's not affiliated with Animal Planet, and he's doing Dogs 101. This is like in the last three months. He's doing new Dogs 101. You know, so he has a title like Miniature Pincer, and then he puts in parentheses uh, like Dogs 101. So it's different. It's different enough that he's not getting pulled down. He's got the soothing voice, and you can learn all sorts of facts about uh, Min Pins, including apparently they're not related to the Doberman. They're uh, an ancestor of the German pincer. But you know what? Hmm. Fuck that dog and fuck that fact. I still said Doberman at the top. They're annoying. The fact that they that I had to <laughs> see a min pin and go look up min pin and be correct is extra annoying. So fuck them. Fuck, not fuck dogs. In, I almost said fuck dogs in general. That's too far. Uh, but fuck that breed. 
I, I think that's basically that's basically been my morning. Oh, I got bit by a spider. Oh, I got no. bit, had to get bit by. A, here's the thing. I got bit by a spider and then I found that spider and it had like a, a, a nice big bulb on the back. You know, I was like, this is, I checked for black widow status uh, and, and it looked okay. So instead of like crushing it, I just shown my, my phone light on it a little bit. It, it ran away and it went under the windowsill. I mean, it's right by my bed, which isn't good, but I just like Rosa Luxemburg has a quote where she's like, I never crush a spider because in crushing it, you destroy an entire universe, which like, all right, lady, I, I get what you're saying. On the other hand, like, I don't like being bit by spiders. How about, how about I want to live in a universe where this spider doesn't fucking bite me? Uh, I think spiders are but, also good. They like eat other insects and stuff, right? Like spiders are supposed to be pretty cool. Oh, I got a fucking menagerie in here. I got goddamn water bugs. I got house centipedes. I got oh, spiders. I'll tell you, no, it's great. What I don't have is roaches. One day I, I woke up and I went to the bathroom sink and there were just legs of a roach in there. And I was like, this, this is like when you, uh, you're walking around Brooklyn and there's just like yellow crime tape left around an intersection. And you're like, whatever fucking went down here eight hours ago must have been wild, you know? Oh, that's fucked up. But no, I, 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 I respect my, I respect my spider friends and, uh, I respect that one specifically because like from his perspective, you gotta, you gotta hand it to an animal that will like enter a space that is already occupied by a human who is literally 1000 times as big as you. It's like getting attacked by a house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, like fuck polyphemus or something. The uh, the the Cyclops in in the Odyssey. It's like if Odysseus was just like, yeah, this seems like a good place to stay forever in this <laughs> cave. That's what spiders do that all the time. And this spider fucking came in, looked around, was like, it's fucking fine. Built the web, bit me, and then just went back home and continued on with his day. I was just like, great. You know what? I could be mad, but fuck it. You good on good on you, spider. <laughs> you showed valor and bravery. It's like uh. Like in the, you ever see the wire? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen yeah. That. Like in the wire, when, uh, when Snoop goes and, and gets the nail gun and the guy, the guy helps her get the nail gun. And she's like, she gives him like a, a wad of cash. She's like you go ahead. You, you, are in that bump like a motherfucker. That's how I feel about the spider that bit me. It's like, you know what? Good on you. You, oh shit. <laughs> oh, hold on. That's that's something that can happen sometimes. So what's going that's on? the song. That's the song. That's the song that plays when two white guys quote the wire. Uh, <laughs> um, shit. Uh, shout out to Infinite Jest, um, Texas Hold'em Poker, Freemasonry, uh, Eames Chairs, Jonathan Franzen, Costco, uh, Devil's Advocate. Uh, uh, knowing how knowing how many lumens are in your flashlight, uh, polo shirts. setup. Uh, knives. The song, Mr. Brightside. Uh, Teslas. AI and the Tokugawa Shogunate. My custom oh, keyboard no. with Gatoron Reds individually lubed with Crytox. You cannot forget them. Uh, pompadours. Broadly. So that's category. Madam slash rockabilly hair. Uh, explaining your Madden franchise to your girlfriend. 
Oh, fuck. Did we, is that everybody? Henry so. Rollins. Henry Rollins. Uh, gotta thank him. Sugar Gliders. Having a favorite World War II prop plane. Uh, sniper Rifles. Talking about Bayesian reasoning. Rocco's Basilisk. Polyamory. <laughs> game Theory. Sous Vide. Diablo Cody. The Tour de France. Calling immersive theater like being inside a video game. And one for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Three, three cell phones and a utility kilt and Hunter Orange. Uh, the color and Hunter Biden, the vibe. Uh, and, I, and you know what? Fallout New Vegas. That, that's a two white guys talking thing. Although we have to be on guard about that. You know, I do feel like the trans femme community is, is slowly taking it from us. You know? Oh, I had no idea. That, that's white guyness under attack. Uh, I just love talking. I love making a wire reference at this. Yeah, I always do it self-consciously now. I, I can't help it. Well, All we those things are white ourselves. guys. All those things are white guy things, right? Yeah. I yeah, mean, like, some, you know, people talk about appropriation. I feel like, you know, we're, we're sort of whatever the reverse of assimilating is. We're pushing our culture out there because I feel like RGB keyboards, RGB mechanical keyboards, like you said, kind of becoming an e-girl thing. Like, I feel like we're losing that one, too. We are, but um, I don't know. I feel okay about it. I, I'm, I'm happy to see my culture be, uh, be extended, and, and they're, they're doing something good with it. You know, I, I said uh, sniper rifles, but that's, that's another thing uh, that is more and more becoming not a white guy thing. You know, it used, it used to be uh, you got your goddamn Punisher guy in Iraq, and you got all the assassins of civil rights leaders and presidents. You know, that was a real white person thing. But, you know, I, I think, at least for me, you know, uh, DC Sniper opened a lot of doors for a lot of people. And more and more, we're seeing people of color comfortable identifying as a, it's not we're silk shirts, not just of Vegeta, maybe of Christopher Dorner moving forward. Uh, was there anything? Oh, knives. Knives are still a white guy thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, specifically knives. Look, I feel like custom katanas, uh, black guys kind of took that from us and have done it with style. Again, a silk shirt with the custom katana looks great. But specifically knives. That chef's you like knives? This. Chef's knives is in there. That sous vide is, is very white guy. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. Like. No disrespect Modernist to cuisine. Brett. Yeah, yeah. Min minimalist interior design. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew a, uh, a pharmacology grad student when I was in New Orleans. One of the coolest guys I ever, I ever met, right? He's one of these like Hunter S. Thompson. He's like, if I'm going to study pharmacology at like a, a phd level i'm gonna experience some of it you know and so he's always making like peyote and hallucinogens and, and research chems allegedly i don't know if that was probably not legal uh in that case all this is fantasy but i remember one night he was up at like 3 30 in the morning and uh info one of those uh what do you call them the like paid promotion commercials i'm so close i'm not sure Info, fuck. Look, it, it's okay because uh, the the edit, editing software truncates silences to a second. So I'm going to think of this fucking shit. Hold on. It's not info, infomercial. Fuck. Okay. Infomercial. Okay. <laughs> My buddy was watching infomercial at uh, the, the middle of the fucking night. 
and it was something like 500 knives for $150. And he was like, what am I, a fool? Of can't course afford I'm not to. to purchase. Yeah, yeah. At this rate, I could just get rid of them for like a dollar a piece and do great. But he did something wiser, which is the whole time I knew him, instead of like giving people thank you cards or happy birthday or whatever, if you helped him out, it's like, hey, man, uh, can you move my car real quick? Sorry, I'm busy. He would just give you a scimitar. Like, like he just had knives to hand out to people uh, on weddings, birthdays, even if he's just like happy Friday, have three knives. And when you have 500 of them, brilliant. That's so generous and vaguely threatening. I mean, is it vaguely threatening? He's equipping you. That's that's true. But I think the vibe of it might come off initially like vaguely threatening. But it is I, I think he is help being helpful. Look, it, it that's his culture and we we have to respect it. It's uh, true. Speaking of slightly deranged uh science adjacent uh white guy culture, you're gonna talk a little bit about Clubhouse, right? Because I don't know what Clubhouse is. I've heard it referenced a couple times. I think it's like Twitter spaces. Uh Grim, who's been on the show, tried explaining it to me. But what is Clubhouse and why is it bad and What's it like and why the fuck is there more than just science people on it? Or is it all just like Ron Paul physicists? So Clubhouse is this. um, Well, the first thing to introduce before Clubhouse is something called Y Combinator, which is this uh, venture capital fund that gives super early stage Silicon Valley startups like a very small amount of money. Um, and then promises to connect them to everybody else and say, like, oh, we built our startup with pizza and, you know, just eating pizza and, and you know, roughing it. And so so can you. And I don't know what their I've policy heard is these days, but um, I've heard of, of them on like a Silicon Valley. Like yeah. The, the um, they like, are, aren't they like Peter Thiel or, or the yes, Facebook I, I, guy or some some sort of shit? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, definitely those like that that circle of people, um, and I think probably the most famous Silicon Valley VC firm. But um, there's a there's like a circle of people um, that, and it, it's also very very much overlaps with like Tesla guys and Bitcoin people and all all of these people. And Clubhouse was a a closed beta app. Um, where the founders would give out invites to their friends and then they would, they would give out invites, but at each level they would sort of bound the number of people on the app. Okay. And the app itself is just, you go on, you make a title for a room and then the room is just a, a collection of people who um, just talk um, there's no history. There's no logging of what's said. You just, you go in a room and then you, you talk and then everybody who's in the room hears you. It's, it's, pretty it's simple. not like a, it's not like a forum or text space. It's not like I would say like phrenology good. And then you would see like seven threads under there that are just like, you know, it, it cured me of being Hungarian or whatever. This is no. like, there's there, you'd see nothing. It was just open into a live conversation. No, no, you would it's it, it, you would have a room that was just called phrenology good question mark and then a bunch of people in the room talking over each other discussing it. Um now, and it just goes 24/7. Uh 
Well, I've definitely, in the early stages, I saw rooms where I would be on it until 3 a.m. for reasons I will explain later. And then I'd, I'd fall asleep and wake up and then check the room and the same exact people would still be talking in the room. And this was around the sort of mid quarantine. So I think this blew up around the time that, um, you know, people were really lonely and it just sort of felt like a, a way of just talking to people. So it, it kind of satisfied a, a need. Um, so, so like you might have, so if it varies as long as there's people in there, it's going. So if you put a, a headline, that's like, you know, uh, big solutions to small problems, like that'll be gone in an hour. But if you put like Tifa is not waifu material, that could go for years uninterrupted. Yeah. 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 I would some, something like that. I mean, you could start a room that has kind of a boring title. And if you don't have like a ton of followers, you might go in, people might come in, come out, whatever. Wait, so you um, have followers on clubhouse? Oh yeah. There's followers just like on Twitter. That's horrible. Is it all science people or is it like a mix? So who is on Clubhouse? Yeah, yeah. So this is this is why I I, I mentioned um, Y Combinator, Tesla people, Peter Thiel, because it started invite only, and the people who were invited were friends of the people who started it. So all Y Combinator people reaching out to their friends, to their friends, which laid a nice foundation of the worst people setting the culture initially yeah, i was gonna say they they have seeded it with the roco's basilisk bayesian fucking reasoning people oh the yes people, the people that are like my brain is uniquely configured for superiority in the human space and you're like what the fuck is please stop trying to suck your own dick you're not doing science oh eric weinstein and all these people are are celebrities on on clubhouse the intellectual dark ones. yes yeah. yes yeah they rule yeah yeah they they like eric weinstein on there has millions of followers um and you know everybody whenever he goes into a room you know, he'll drag a ton of people in, in with him. It's like, Oh my God, Eric Weinstein's in, in a room. Um, I love I, the, I love the idea. So there like, there's rating like on Twitch, presumably like Eric and his gang can join. And then you're like, Oh my God, people. So anyway, thank you, Eric. Uh, so as I was saying, her soul is a thousand year old tree spirit. And that really gets into questions uh, uh, around, uh, you know, speciesism. And you now just have a platform for that shit? Yeah, more or less. Um, I think what drew me into it was that I was, I mean, I was quarantined and bored. And, and all physicists want to do is just talk about what we're working on. Just all the time. We don't care if, you, if you're interested or not. We, we just, we just want to talk at you. Um, so it's really the ideal platform for us. Um, and a, you know, a friend of mine um, just said, oh, I'm trying to get the, the sort of quantum computing community started on, on Clubhouse. Like, why don't, why don't you join? Um, so myself and a bunch yeah, he of other he people. Also, he also invited me to that. I think he, he said it was before you, though. Oh, man. Well, that shows yeah, how important he, he I said, am. He said, he said, don't tell Evan, but we need you on this quantum computing thing first. I'm sorry for making it awkward. Ah, well, All right. I, I can deal with that. It's, it's okay. Um, but what ended up happening was like 
people on there were very interested in quantum computing. So this just fed my ego. Um, and I would end up on these, these science panels of like, oh, we have this expert in quantum computing from this and that. And I would, I would introduce myself and, and get to talk about what I was doing. And it felt like it felt nice to, to have people interested in what I was, what I was interested in. And then slowly you would get people coming on stage and asking questions like more and more that were like, okay, I'm very interested in quantum computing, but what does this have to do with, uh, you know, Bitcoin? And I'm like, I, it doesn't have anything to do with Bitcoin. And then somebody else will go, oh, actually, it, you know, it, it could break RSA encryption and break codes and that could have some implication on Bitcoin. And like, I, yeah, I, but you don't, you didn't have to say that. And it really has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Can we move on? That like, that is true in the same way that like, you know, if all of the auction in America or all the auction in our planet suddenly vanished, it'd be really hard to jerk off. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's true, but it's downstream, like some much more pressing concern. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, quantum computing would unlock a lot of things uh, uh, beyond how many Doge coins you can successfully mine from your Raspberry Pi. Yes, exactly. Um, so then, you know, you you would figure out who who was more up for you know giving the people what they wanted. Um, the people, again, not a a, a reasonable cross section of people, but a cross section of a certain type of rich Silicon Valley type who has had their brain completely melted from being a huge fan of Elon and, and buying, like buying too much into Bitcoin and, and these sorts of things. Um, but, and then, and then more people would enter the room, like, well, what does quantum computing have to do with consciousness? And I'm like, yeah, it has nothing to do with consciousness. Um, and it slowly turned into every room degenerating into a conversation about consciousness. Um, and now at this point, I think clubhouse is nearly all like laser eyes, PFP, Bitcoin people, NFT people, quantum healing people, Ty Lopez style hustle and grind Instagram people all unified on one platform Plus a sprinkling of Nazis. Yeah, I haven't heard Ty Lopez in a fucking long, long time. I, I'm that, old, so he's he's like the original hustle and grind. Like I'm up there, here in the Hollywood get, Hills guy. There's a new there's a new Ty Lopez that does like graphic design, and for like three months, I got nothing but ads. Just like how much uh, how much should you quote your work's worth as? And it's like giving the same like same fucking camera angles and workshops and shit. It being a, a Ty Lopez style place kind of says everything uh, to me. But there, there's panels, you said, like, like yeah, it's not I mean, just you join a chat room. It's like, hey, is it like we want Evan Sunday at 4 p.m. Uh, join my clubhouse space and you can talk about, you know, yes, consciousness yeah. and whatever. Yeah, exactly. And the way it works is there's like there's the audience and then there's the people who are who are speaking and the people speaking who are deemed moderators can bring people up from the audience. So a panel is just like, we're going to bring people up to ask questions, but also the panelists. So I get to feel pretty, pretty important for that, for that time. Uh, but 
Yeah, now it's, uh, I, I mean, at some point, like as a scientist, you're forced to reckon with like, man, this is a lot of crap. So you either leave, um, which is the smart thing to do, or you you just say like, oh, I can I can fix her. And then you just permanently get stuck in these someone is wrong on the internet cycles um, of just like, no, I can refute all of the bullshit. No, I can do something about it. And it's, no, you can't. It's just, um, it's, uh, I, but like, what does this actually all mean? I, it, to me, it, it, it shows to some degree that all of these weird conspiracies, like, and I think QAnon to a degree and anti-vax people and Bitcoin people and NFT people and quantum healing people and hustlers all seem to be condensing into one awful conspiracy blob. Uh, and that's kind of scary. Yeah, and, and like reinforcing uh, the the worst in each other and the most salacious details. I, I yes. find it funny that you be, because there's like crowd in, interactivity. If you're like, we're going to talk about like the hard science and what quantum mechanics is and isn't, and what quantum computing can and can't do in these various forms, people will be like, boo. But if you're just like. Uh, if it's a robot, you should be allowed to fuck it. It's like 10,000 people currently listening. It is fun. It is funny. The, no, the race to the bottom, the race to the bottom that science people have done to themselves. Like previously, like I remember when I was doing my, my dumb little uh, Evo psych lab, the things that like the, the professors and the grad students all hated is science literacy in the media. So there would be like a, a pretty, interesting vaguely important study would come out and then of course it would end up on the news or on you know the blogs or whatever it's just like new study says you know men can whatever and it like it's like that's not really what it, eating acai berries will make you skinny and it was like come on you know if you really understood the science you wouldn't present it in that way and that's why it's so important you know to have science educators and people who can science communicators people who are actually in tune with the science they don't fall prey to this sort of mass media uh, uh marketing and and promotion of the most salacious not so accurate bits of a story it's, uh, that it's was true that I we heard. should never be allowed to talk for ourselves so there was a, well, well this uh, is what ha this is what happened my point is yeah. just, <laughs> you guys could talk to yourselves and you immediately went like Oh, it gets more clicks if I mention uh, libertarianism and, and anime, a quantum perspective. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden you're good. Nobody yeah. made you do that. There is a very famous um, result in quantum computing um, where I think Fox News interviewed the guy about it. And he's just like, the, the professor is just this like happy Dutch guy. And the the... Name of the experiment is it, it was a study on something called quantum teleportation, which has nothing to do with actual teleportation. We're just shit at naming things. Um, and uh, at some point, he had mentioned that the electron is trapped in a tiny diamond prison. And then Fox got a handle on this, and it was just like time travel by keeping electrons in tiny diamond prisons. And then he interviewed a bunch of people who had nothing to do what, what's, whatsoever with, with um, quantum computing or anything just to sort of puff up the article. And, oh, okay, there we go. That's, that's how we're going to cover this, this important but relatively you know, incremental breakthrough. 
I look, I just think it's I think it's cute that Silicon Valley created a new space for Silicon Valley psychos and dot edu email holders to come together and drive each other perpetually more insane. Oh that's yeah. the market that's the market op just operating at a hundred percent efficiency <laughs> yes. as far as I'm concerned. Yes, that's uh, that's exactly uh, what it is. Uh, uh, moving on, I guess we could get to this now. Uh, I'm so sorry to the, the, but this is like a Silicon Valley story, right? So, uh, I, there's an update in like the blizzard saga. Uh, uh, th- those people that know what I'm talking about, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I promise I'll be brief, but basically, uh, so Evan, uh, Activision blizzard has been the subject of like some real nightmare allegations from the state of California. Uh, right. And also, like half half the people who have ever worked there, so like you know they 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 would go to their their annual convention and have a Cosby room with a picture of Bill Cosby up that they could take drunk women to. There's a lot of like uh, getting drunk and belligerent at the office at office parties and groping people. Uh, hit a camera in the toilet, like real oh, beyond really frat guy, shit. really hideous. Oh yeah, what one woman. Uh, uh, was harassed so much she killed herself uh, after one Christ. of the presidents or CEOs was selling was uh, sharing pictures of her vagina to other coworkers. Fucking horrifying shit, right? So Activision yeah. Blizzard to say that they have a culture problem is putting it mildly, um, and this blew up in a major way. And and you know there's business and uh, creative outcomes that have, that have obviously occurred in the wake of this. Uh, but the number one problem is like, okay, clearly uh, this is a tech company with a, a very fucking problematic toxic culture that, that needs to be addressed. Uh, the way they're addressing it is they hired Pinkertons uh, and a union busting PR firm to keep a lid on complaints. Uh, and and they've been engaging in like woke washing, right? So this is the same, uh, this is the same sort of PR firm firm if i have this correctly that they previously hired to to handle like hr stuff and so more and more people are having you know these these allegations are coming out that sort of thing and it's funny to see silicon valley grapple with like social justice yeah because they know they know that it's like okay we're we're being sued by the state of California. Like we're a California company. Uh, all the people that work at Blizzard Activision, they generally are very, uh, they present as very like SJW, you know, like uh, the pronouns, the, you know, uplift black businesses, like all the stuff, BL, all the stuff that you are supposed to say as like a California liberal, right? Well, this reminds me ha- yeah, of, uh, I, I was, uh, I was at, I was like having a late dinner outside of the, you know, there's all, every school has like a university center and I was, I was eating my chicken tenders and overheard some like undergrads complaining about um, the, uh, like how Palantir was too much of a, like a boys club or something like that. And it's like, man, you really missed the point here. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, in general, there's such thing as like a la carte political positions where you don't have like a, a, theoretical or political framework upon which to like rest and ground uh, your opinions and your view of the world. So you're just like, okay, here's 10 different things that should be. And they're all just sort of inherently informed by your own 
constellation of internal preferences sure. not, not rooted to anything meaningful around you and so it was interesting when here is an actual problem that is like straight up violence to the women you have at your workplace how are you going to address it uh and for all the people that perform online about caring deeply about this stuff it instantly went to like self-preservation uh making sure no other leaks happen securing the the ndas and famously, they wrote a long, open letter uh, that didn't touch on any of the allegations, but just said, like, that's why we're making sure that 40% of our new hires will be people of color, like stuff like that. Yeah. Not about not about the actual hostile workplace or, or fucking sex crime shit going on there. They just figured, okay, if you fire a cannon of diversity buzzwords, even if they have nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Uh, that's basically good. That's good enough. People will fall for that. Uh, I, I'm pleased to see this time. They're not like, or people are not really falling for that. Uh, the sort of funny thing that happened this week is, so they decided that they were going to institute in-game changes, you know, to, to sort of fix the toxic culture. And it's like, buddy, the toxic culture wasn't in the game. It was behind the game so this world of right. warcraft uh is one of their things so they went into world of warcraft first thing they did fixing toxic culture is remove uh or change the the spit emote so you can buy from an online store uh like mounts things to ride on so you can pay 50 dollars and get like a tank in game and the people that spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on like cosmetic items in game are called whales, right? That's sort of the traditional, you see it in gambling, you see it in like gotcha Bitcoin games, that sort of stuff. Too, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's these whales that sort of drive the economy and in a very like 99% versus the 1%, uh, those people were complaining about how when they drove their golden tanks or sometimes like literal whales uh, around in the virtual world, people were spitting on them. <laughs> like as a fucking <laughs> rich guy like that that was becoming a problem this small bit of uh praxis there and so they got rid of the the spit emote so you can no longer harass the let's be honest fucking white guys with too much money they're driving around in custom mounts uh that was one thing they did and then another thing they did uh this week is remove essentially anything that could be perceived as sexist but okay. the people the people running this company have no idea what that means. Like they don't actually have any familiarity with, with like the, any sort of fe any wave of feminism anywhere, what people actually find offensive and not. And so what they did to be safe here was just remove all depictions of women from the game. <laughs> so uh, whether you were like, yeah, <laughs> that's, Hmm. Isn't that such a Silicon Valley thing? So there, there's articles where it's just like the great wizard, uh, Alondra or whatever, re remove her paintings from the game and replace them with like a bowl of fruit. It, it's this thing where you can't uh, do sexism, the, if there's no women around. Yeah. At the end of the day, <laughs> you can only perceive their creative content, uh, like through the male gaze. So their metric is like, well, if this makes me horny, it must be offensive to women. And just went around <laughs> no. and gave a, a rubric of what they find horny. People are like, does this fix the culture at your company? I don't know. It's just, it's such a fascinating glimpse into the mind of, and by the way, 
totally reifies how bullshit uh, the like woke HR PR shit is. Is when actually the here is a real problem. We're calling on you to make a change. They just spin it down to the the lowest levels and then have no actual idea of what to do because they haven't been listening or caring the entire time. I have a, a clip here from Zeppelo, one of my favorite Final Fantasy uh, streamers, talking about it, just so there's a, a non-white male voice. When <laughs> yeah. Kane is in the building. Nope. Nope. That That is uh, Lil Wayne's <laughs> right above it again. Oh, hold on. Oh, here we go. Just looking down and you like... She's sexy, and she knows it, and she just doesn't care. And uh, I loved it then. I love it now. And it really bothers me that they're sending, I feel like they're sending this message that like, for women to feel safe, their bodies need to be hidden. <laughs> like for us to promote a safer environment for women, their bodies better be hidden. Yeah, that, uh, that struck me as a very clubhouse take. Like just like, oh, all right, oh God, people are saying we don't respect women. What should we do? eradicate them and turn them into still life photos <laughs> but like they they looked at the the photo of like a, a a a female warlock you know with like fireballs in her hands or whatever and just went oh my god too much cleavage women are gonna hate that instead of like oh no this is actually a lot of people's favorite character they think it's cool to be hot and powerful you psychos i'm surprised they didn't have somebody from the pinkertons do this like just outsource <laughs> Somehow they just did it internally and got it all well, they wrong. Did, no, they, like they paid for consultants and all that, but it's just yeah, all yeah. this stuff is so mercenary. And like, of course, at the end of the day, the material interest there is such that you never claim any meaningful liability, uh, especially not when you have a current case going. So it's all just like, look, we're taking steps that are performative and meaningless. Uh, what, what, I've, I've been following this uh, in the context of you know, World of Warcraft was a popular game for nerds for a very long time. And now with, frankly, a lot of people are boycotting it because of what happened to the company and also the game's dog shit. So many people are coming to Final Fantasy, in fact, that uh, it's getting harder to play it. Uh, apparently there's a semiconductor shortage that the, the makers of Final Fantasy are literally like, please be patient, literally be patient. If you have to wait 20 minutes to log in, understand that we can't get semiconductors and neither can fucking General Motors. Like they're stopping assembly lines. You have to wait 20 minutes to log in. The semiconductor situation is fucked. If we can't get servers, nobody can. Uh, has that affected you and your lab at all? Oh my God. Yeah. It's really bad. So um, there are, we we use the same ICs that are used or chips that are used in um, like MRI machines for generating very precise signals and things like that. Um, and we can't necessarily just like buy these, buy exactly what we need because we're doing things that are very custom and, and unique. So we have to build them. And, and so um, rather than, you know, some company dealing with figuring out how to get these chips, we have to find them. And, yeah, there's a website called DigiKey and there's a website called Mouser where you just go and you buy you buy chips and then you search for something and just zero 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 inventory. Oh, that's weird. And um, you know, so if you want chips, the way you buy them is there are um, they're called inventory brokerages, and it's like 
eBay, but with a huge membership fee and you talk to people who have, who bought up excess inventory from a production run and then they'll just be like, Hey, you want this? Like, I don't know, $20 chip, $500 a chip, $500. You need it that badly. Um, that rules that there's just like, uh, uh, an arbitrage semiconductor guy that's just like, hey, buddy, buddy, I'd love to do this deal right now. Here's the thing. I got St. Jude's on the other line right now, and they're they're aching for these semiconductors. So yep. uh, what, what, you, what can you offer? I'm listening. Yeah, just like on tr- just on fucking uh, NBA draft day, like a GM, like, hold on. I'm getting a call from Sloan Kettering right now. We need, we need <laughs> to fucking fill or spill this motherfucker or whatever. Yeah, it's um yeah, of course there's an economy for it. Why wouldn't there be? Um and uh yeah, so the I think the reason that this happened is because all these automotive companies run this um I think Brett talked about this on an earlier episode, this just in time manufacturing where you only keep just enough inventory on hand to um to fill a, a you know a, a certain amount of orders that are coming your way, and if you mispredict it because I don't know a global pandemic hits, then well now you have to get the inventory somehow, or it, it works really well when everything is completely predictable, which is not the way that the the world is all the time. Um, and semiconductors are made in in huge batches. So the way you do it is you make something called a mask set, which is like, um, you know, a a series of photographs that you image into various layers on the chip. And a mask set is a couple of million dollars or something like that. You send that to TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. Well, people might don't, I mean, we don't get paid by them. So we'll bleep that out. People might have other uh, semiconductor manufacturers they prefer, and we don't want to bias them one to the, the next. I but think they're continue. the only one in the world who's making just the, well, the machines are like a million dollars or a hundred uh, million dollars each. Buddy, this is like when people blur the Nike logo. Until I see some of that payola from TSMC, uh, we're, we're bleeping that shit. <laughs> totally fair. Um, yeah, so a couple, like a hundred million dollars a machine, and um, then they take over essentially the entire production line to just make wafer after wafer of these chips, and then you cut up each wafer into a hundred or a thousand of the chips, and then you package them and sell them. So to actually make a chip, you have to take over the entire production line. So who needs chips the most and who can put up the most money for, for chips at the moment? Well, auto manufacturers. So all of the production lines are busy right now going, ah, well, really have to make Volkswagen these, these microcontrollers. And a microcontroller is like a little self-contained computer. And your, your, you know, your car is probably just filled with like hundreds of little, little computers, computers controlling the ignition system, controlling, you know, the air conditioner, everything. So like, what's a thing that you could be doing uh, that you're not now because of semiconductor bullshit? Because that's one thing that you told me on the last time you were on, which I encourage people to, to check out is just like how janky the average like physics lab is. Like in your mind, you think like, oh, it's probably just like CERN. Like they're they're probably doing like Higgs boson ass shit. Like like you when you reach the institute in Fallout Four, that's how you imagine physics labs. But 
actually, I mean, they're like not particularly safe or clean or got everything they need, right? Wasn't that something you were saying before? Yeah, no, it's pretty. Um, so a, a postdoc will usually stay for about you know three years or so, and a grad student stays for six. But the first three years of a grad student's career is just like taking classes and not really knowing what they're doing. So it's only you only get three years of doing really doing some hard science. Um, so three years there, three years for a postdoc, and at every step you're thinking like, well, I have to make my career. Um, or do this right. Um, so everything is very short-sighted and everything, and you spend a lot of time dealing with things that other people before you have done. So not only are you cleaning up with somebody, like somebody else's mess, you're like creating another mess for the next person down the line. Um, and of course these, these are kept short because that keeps you like precarious and, and, you know, replaceable and, and so on. Um, so it's so, constantly a, a short-term uh, sort of thinking where it's just like, you know what? Shit was fucked up when I got here and y'all can clean this shit up when I'm done. I'm just, I don't really have ownership of this place. I'm just going to try not to die, do my research and call it a day. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were, yeah, you were like, saying before we got on that, like, you literally like work with stuff that kills you. And it's just like, yeah, well, fuck. I hope it doesn't kill me. <laughs> Good luck to the next guy. Oh yeah, I mean it's <laughs> the the view is like well you know you could you could die in a car wreck so you know life life is just you know don't screw up it's a series of near misses so you know try try not to die do your best and try not to die. Um, is that like it, most of science like uh, safe enough? Yeah, I, w- I would I would say so. Um, I mean, it also depends a lot on the lab the lab culture. Um, so, you know, if, if a PI is willing to, you know, try and make things, you know, safe and insist on a, on a, on a safer culture, things, things are pretty, pretty good. The lab I'm in now is, is pretty good. Um, but you also hear stories of things like, um, I don't know, a demolition crew coming in to prepare a space for, for the next professor to come in and then they'll like sledgehammer a, um, you know, a, a box on the ceiling and it'll rain mercury. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's everybody sort of just trying to, trying to make their career and, and get on to the next, the next step. Yeah. I'm looking at your, uh, uh, you you put you put here this is this is i I appreciate you feeding me a science question to to give you 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 have a sentence here uh would the physics community be satisfied with studying angle of repose problems or are we insistent upon studying the most extreme conditions which may require externalities to uh, access and when the (laughs) resultant technologies are commercialized must those externalities also scale that's some shit i've been thinking about for a long time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by the way that that was not passing if that was supposed to you know how like you're supposed to there are people that like write for comedians and they're like yeah this is sort of a norm joke sort of thing did that strike you as a rob sentence to utter <laughs> with the angle of repose problems i, I mean, what's the just, answer to that question or yeah I, yeah I, I have no fucking clue man i like i i wrote that because like so something that's really been on my mind is is like, can you even do science in a safe a safe way? Or are we just like 
kind of kidding ourselves. Um, like, uh, so what What I mean is... Because, like, I want to ask you about nuclear energy immediately after this, and then we'll go to the bonus. Uh, but, okay, I'll... Like, no, 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 I can continue, because that's one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, it's not necessarily entirely safe, but fuck it, that's how we do things, right? I mean, Yeah, more or less. I, I mean, so here, here's sort of what got me thinking. I like, yeah. there's a solvent that people use in, in making chips that's super dangerous. And it, it like gave my grandfather cancer because he used to dip airplane parts in it to, to degrease them. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't want that around the lab. So I just, you know, made a decision and said, we're, we're going to get rid of all, all of this. Sounds yeah. reasonable. And then I looked around, it's like, okay, what, what can we use that will, dissolve the contaminants that we need. And I found this stuff um, that said, oh, this is this is safe. Like, you know, it's safer than the thing that I'm replacing. It's it's fine. Um, and then I I bought some and then looked at the the data sheet, what's in it. And I found a bunch of things that I didn't really recognize. And then I looked up the safety reports for them and there just wasn't much data. So my impression is that, you know, and, and this is, not like I'm not a chemist and this isn't like my professional opinion or anything like that, but it would seem to me that chemicals are being replaced with sort of novel analogs that just haven't been studied. And there's just not enough evidence to show that they're dangerous. So they're deemed like safer, maybe. Um, and, you know, if you talk to really old, you know, physicists and they talk about the chemicals they worked with, you know, somebody would say that this chemical that, you know, this really dangerous one is like, oh, man, that's a great solvent. Or the chemicals that they use to make the capacitors um, that, uh, you know, if you live on the East Coast, you know, the Housatonic River is completely, you know, it's filled with horrible chemicals that will, you know, give you cancer. Um, those chemicals were made by the GE chemical plant um, for, for making capacitors. And if you talk to an electrical engineer, they'll be like, boy, those GE capacitors sure were really good. Um, or let so it's it just a thing of like, well, you know, I, I had to go through that shit. So now you should. Or like, you know what? I, I fucking hated basic training, but I'm, you know, I'm glad everyone goes through it. And I look back on it fondly now. But with, you know, arsenic. I think I'm, I'm sort of more getting at the idea that like there seems to be some proportionality between like how good something is and how horrible the constituents are for the planet. Like they made some great capacitors with horrible stuff. The newer capacitors that are, you know, now we make capacitors with conflict minerals. What if we got rid of the conflict minerals? We'd still make capacitors. Would they still be as good? So maybe we're just, Wait, so you're like, what if, what if the natural world is, is such that a, an exploited uh, local has to pull my raw material? Maybe, maybe it, it, it's like it's spirit cooking for science where it's like, you know what? The blood and the sweat actually makes the capacitor way better. Sometimes it feels life? that way. I'm not – it's it's really like we, we can't use leaded solder anymore obviously because you don't want lead exposure. But talk to anybody who does electronics work and they'll be like, oh, this lead-free solder just sucks. I mean, is it just <laughs> because like we just went for the absolute cheapest, most exploitive option usually in the first iteration? And now we're just like, are we trying? Is the second iteration or whatever, are, are we moving along an axis of sustainability? Like, why don't we do the, the old version anymore like you're talking about? 
Well, because it would like it would kill us much faster than than what we're doing now. But but it would. Kill but you just us said faster. you just said the solvent that that you you were just working with killed your grandpa and is still around. The solvent. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it definitely, yeah, yeah. it definitely is. It's still being used, but it's sort of slowly being replaced with something that's safer. But there's, I think, a fundamental problem here with like if you want and if <laughs> if if you want a solvent that cleans things effectively, it will probably clean your skin off pretty well. There's, it's very hard to make a solvent that cleans everything but your skin off. So. Like there's this fundamental problem with like we still have to be us and nature have to be a part of whatever technology we make. And so the I think there's there's a sort of conclusion here where like at some point we're balancing how much we destroy nature with how much we want to investigate extreme conditions because we like doing it. And when I said angle of repose, it's really this, it's a fancy name for this um, really, I think, very beautiful problem in physics, which is going to sound mind-numbingly boring to anybody who's not a physicist, which is, let's say you take a, like a, a sack of sand, hold it, a bunch, hold it above a table and punch a hole in the bottom of it, and then let the sand pile up. The angle of repose is the angle that the mountain of sand makes with the table. That's a really, really hard problem to solve. As difficult as like quantum electrodynamics or any of these other, or like these Michio Kaku, like ice skating around in a, in a white I fucking hate that guy. I fucking, I fucking hate Michio Kaku. I was, it's so funny you bring him up. I was just, about, I was just about to mention him. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to put a pin in, in that for just a second. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it is one of those things where like the exciting stuff is is more alluring, like it, by definition. But I, yeah, I, I imagine there's got to be a lot of fucking super boring problems in physics that are really important. Do people just not gravitate to those despite like how useful they would be? Like, why do people go to the extreme stuff just because I got to spend a bunch of time doing some shit? I'd rather it be cool. That's because no one wants grew- to be at the conference and being like, I look at what happens if you fart on sand. It could be great for you know rocketry, and people are like, that shit sucks. I mean, I I think it's partially because these extreme situations are you know maybe useful for defense applications or there or it is, yeah, just, okay. Or maybe it's also just because we walk, we wake up like we we grow up watching Iron Man, like. Like you, you see Iron Man blasting lasers, and you're like, oh, I, you know, I want to make big blasty laser. That sounds fun. Like, what? What is the Venn diagram of of lasers to current physicists? Like, what? It's it's just one circle, right? Like, it, it, liking lasers is comorbid with like being a physicist, right? Uh, or an engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like lasers. Lasers are cool. Who doesn't like a laser? Um, but like, what? Me. What like eighteen year old thinks that like watching sand pile up is is exciting? Like who wants to start a like what what kid wants to start a career in sand? That's a good yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, uh, one last thing on this, I'll uh, you can correct me on, please. I imagine some of the like uh, labs having a, a propensity for obtaining the 
the cheapest or most familiar and maybe not the the safest reagents for your little magical experiments and and shit uh how much of that is informed by the fact that like the person doing the experiment isn't like the the professor or whatever like like it feels kind of worker-y like you said that you have people coming in they're grad students they're postdocs they handle this shit and then they fuck off as soon as possible and this is someone else's problem uh, how, how does that deal how does that interface with like organize i see like tas organize and and lab techs have tried organizing and stuff and it's just like how, how does that how does socioeconomic or, or status within the hierarchy inform sort of the conditions where you're actually doing the science um i think i think it's very hard for me to relate the conditions of academia to those of like people who are normally in unions because I've just been completely in academia my whole life. But I can tell you that um, because our, you know, our positions are, are don't last that long um, because we're generally not paid a ton. Um, and because we are sort of feel very lucky to be there organizing feels very difficult and pointless. You feel very little sort of obligation towards the place that you're working because you're just not going to be there that long. But at the same time, it feels like this big, like monolithic, this big monolith towering above you that why would it ever change? It's been here forever. Um, so it feels like you're, you're working, uh, it, there's a level of difficulty because of like the, the temporal circumstances of, of your labor, such a, it's going to, it's just not going to be easy to get people together to take on this challenge. And then the challenge itself is an enormous fucking monolith <laughs> that is academia. It's not like it's, you know, your Miami subs locations in, in Dade County. This is like, a real big enemy. This is like a pillar of cat. This is like the left leg of capitalism. Uh, and it's going to be tough, even if you had perfect conditions to take that shit on. Is that, is I would, that- I would say something like that, but I also don't want to be too self-pitying because people have been starting unions in tough conditions. Every, like every union has been started in a tough condition. So I think it's, it's possible True. and it's been done. I like, there are grad student, and postdoc unions at different at different schools. So no shout out yeah, to I, them. I will say, yeah, there, there is shit that gets done. Uh, it definitely is doable. Uh, I mentioned Activision Blizzard sending in the Pinkertons. Important context to remember that that uh, these days they they show up and just tell you what not to tweet on your personal account. Whereas in the olden days, uh, they took you and like three Polacks out back and ventilated your skull. So, you know, in terms of the level of difficulty, could be worse. Uh, yeah. Here, let, let's, let, let's hop over into the bonus. I want to talk about some nuclear energy, some COVID stuff. Uh, God, goddamn gifted kids thinking they have magical brains that justifies their general uh, lack of empathy for everyone around them. And, uh, okay, I think we can move on to the bonus now. Uh, uh if if you're not on that, uh, please follow Evan at Bounded State on Twitter. And is there anything else you want to shout out before we go? 
Uh, no, I think that's about it. All right, let's continue. Let's talk about nuclear energy and shit. All right. All right.